Welcome to the Inspiring Leadership podcast series. This is aimed for you aspiring leaders, whatever level you're at, whether you're beginning out in your careers as managers and leaders, whether you're in middle ranking roles, or whether you're CEOs and chairman of boards, there's always something we can all learn. And it's particularly the skills, stories, tips and techniques that you can pass on to those you lead and your teams. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's session. I'm really excited to have all the way from Geneva, somebody who's in the hospitality industry and a CEO who uh, brings a lot of wealth of experience of traveling around the world, being in different cultures and different countries. And it's going to be very exciting. I find the whole hospitality area very interesting, particularly after what it's been through with the pandemic and how getting back from that, people are hungry to travel and to experience things and get out of those dark days. Without further ado, I will let our guest introduce himself. Jonathan, thank you very much. Uh, Duncan O'Rourke, I'm the chief uh, CEO for our core um, running um, Middle East, Africa, India, and then Asia Pacific as well, so a large area. Um, but very, very humbled and very uh, honored to be on this uh, on this podcast, Jonathan. I've watched many of your your ones, and I'm very honoured and, and uh, humbled to be part of this. Well, Duncan, it's a real pleasure having you on. And for, for our guest, it's the the 39 brands, I think I'm right, 260,000 people in Accor. Um, people won't know the, the major holding companies so much as they will know the sub-brands. Now, I'm just going to mention a few that I seem to remember, which is Ibis, Nova, Novotel, Sofitel, the Fairmont, just Raffles, Orient Express, Mandarin. Am I right? Are there other top brands? Those are, those are our top brands, correct. Uh, Accor has 40 brands in, in, in total. And so it's not only the traditional hotels. We also have restaurant companies, lifestyle companies as well. But the major brands and the iconic brands, uh, clearly, John, as you mentioned, the Raffles, where, where there's a wonderful uh, uh, one about to open very soon in London at the old war office where Churchill... Mm. Uh, had his office uh, during the times so of that we're looking forward to. Orient Express, uh, uh, iconic with the with the trains which we're doing, and then the Fairmont Sofitels, and then on the like you mentioned on the economy. So we go through the 360. We have the Ibis hotels, we have the economies, we have the upper upscale, the the traditional Swiss hotels, Movenpix as well. So uh, a really uh, united international collection of different brands. No, I mean, fascinating, absolutely fascinating. And and I think uh, it's interesting going, uh, you're in Geneva now, we've got the lake behind you, it's a beautiful view there. Nice. Um, uh, and I went and did a talk at one of the, uh, the the finishing schools, which were preparing and sending people out to the different hotel uh, chain. It's gone from my mind now, but it was uh, up in the up in the mountains in Switzerland, one of the, the final finishing schools for the whole hotel industry. Um, it'll it'll come to me later on, um, but uh, it's it, seeing the seriousness and the professionalism that people take to lead those in the industry and to cope with the quite high churn that you have of people coming in and going out. Um, it, it's a major operation to be running any one of the hotels or restaurants or uh, health and well-being centers that you have, and I have a deep respect uh, for that. So. For you, how, how do you see things now that, okay, the pandemic's not over, it never will be, it'll always be with us, and you'll have to be ready for another virus maybe to hit, and how do you respond to that? 
But what do you think? How are you experiencing? Are you seeing brighter days now um, post pandemic? Yeah, look, I, I, I know this hotel business, this industry is very resilient. Um, right. It always has been, whether it's the pandemic, whether it's been crisis. This pandemic was very different, Jonathan, because normally, from my experience, when something hits somewhere, it was more in a region or an area. This just hit us worldwide, and it really brought the entire hospitality industry to its knees. Uh, mm. um, it was it was dramatic. But we've we've coming out of this. Signs are very good. Um, Europe is picking up uh, tremendously. Um, Asia is still a little bit a uh, little bit coming through a little bit more because of China and the influence of that uh, of those expert markets coming in there. Middle East is doing extremely well. Um, so it's not finished, but it's resilient. But the repercussions of that of that uh, pandemic is still uh, affecting us. And, and what you mentioned before about recruitment and staffing and getting people to come back into the industry is a challenge and, and will continue to be uh, a challenge. So it's keeping us busy. It's keeping us vigilant. It's keeping us uh, focused. Uh, but it's a wonderful industry. Uh, and, and like I said, very resilient. Yeah, no, very true. And and you know the topic of of this uh, podcast is of course inspiring leadership, um, and in the hotel industry, um, I know when I've been to you know some really good hotels. Um, I won't mention any of the rivals like the Conrad or anything like that. But when I've been staying at uh, really nice hotels, I-, I love meeting the manager of the hotel or whoever it is, and and talking to them and sharing the experiences that Lee and I have had. And where there's been really good leadership and you can tell, you can absolutely tell where there's good, inspiring leaders who are managers and running it and caring for their people that you get that experience as as one of the hotel guests. What's what's your own view about inspiring leadership and 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 who would I think you and I were talking about another leader in the Accor group that you find as a CEO is inspiring. Do you want to mention them and and what to you inspiring leadership means? Yeah, look, just, just in the beginning about this industry, um, what's, what's fascinating and still fascinating to me is um, a general manager uh, who's leading a hotel, um, be it the Savoy, be it the Carlton House, whatever hotel you're talking about. Um, when, you, when, you actually look at the, when you actually look at the education and the experience vis-a-vis what he's managing, 200, 300, 400 million assets, uh, um, very few industries offer you this. And so that's a fantastic opportunity uh, in doing that. But for me, it, it is about leadership, it is about inspiring leaders, but it's just, I believe it's something that you can't really train or learn. It's something you grow into. You really grow into that with the experience, you know. It's, it's, a, it's a person, it's a, inspiring leadership is a person having a mission. It's, it's really a guiding principle for me and a very specific way of how one approaches things, how one builds something for a long-term value. Uh, um, and it's very much about values. I'm a very firm believer in values. Sometimes inspiring means you have to take unpopular or difficult decisions, but you have to really always stay true to what you believe in. And uh, uh, I believe that when, when you do this, when you lead these people, uh, it, it, it brings people around you who are report, who are growing in with you to grow and blossom and, and then to exceed their expectations. My region is huge. I don't manage anybody. 
I'm not managing a single person. I'm, I'm stretching, I'm guiding, I'm, I'm, I'm helping, but I don't really manage anybody. Nobody in my team needs to be managed by myself. They manage themselves and they do that very well. All I can do is coach them, support them, help them, and drive everybody uh, at the same way. Yeah, and, and that brings me to a point with many of the CEOs I've uh, had the honor of working with or uh, other leaders at different levels, that the coach approach to leadership is really what works very well, that you empower them, you delegate to others. And in a way, you almost become redundant because they are making the decisions. You're evaluating the decisions once a month and checking on them, coaching and mentoring them, helping them grow and fly. But I, I love your approach, the, the, the coach approach, and that you 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 don't micromanage people. You actually get out of their way and let them fly like eagles. Someone described it like eagles in a patch of sky. You get you let them have their area, not turkeys in a barn under the spotlights up to their knees in ammonia uh, with, you know, no no room to move or breathe and your wings clip. That's that's not how to lead people. No. Um, now, you've had a fascinating life journey. Um, if I remember right in our conversation, grew up in South Africa, and then you came to boarding school at Bath. Um, we both experienced boarding school, and that gave you some, some great experience. But would you tell us a bit about the life journey that you've had, and which bits sort of shaped you into the successful leader and CEO you are today? Because I don't say that because you're here, just others have said that they find you inspiring. That's why you're here. It's a referral only podcast. So you can't tell me you're inspiring and then peer on the the show it has to be others have found you so it is always what the other experiences it's like telling customers that you're a great hotel if the customers don't experience that themselves they will never come back so so uh, what shaped you give us perhaps um five ten minutes of your life life story and some of the events that shaped you Jonathan you met you mentioned that I um I was born in South Africa and then my parents moved uh, and I went to because my my parents were traveling consistently and moving, um, I was sent to a boarding school in, in, in Bath, in Prior Park College. Uh, um, so I went to boarding school from 11, did my A-levels there. Um, boarding school was very good to me. Uh, boarding school, I believe, gave me a wonderful foundation uh, to, to start with. And then the fact I believe that I traveled around the world each time your parents were living in different cultures, different places, um, I always embrace that, uh, the local communities, the languages, the, the cuisines, the cultures. I've always embraced that and learned as many languages while I could uh, doing that. And I've carried that on to my career. So um, I've, I've always been, and maybe one of the best advices I ever got was from a, a gentleman from Joseph Epner, who was uh, at Four Seasons, who said, you young Duncan, don't stay in one place too long. Just move and travel while you're young and learn. And, and so I went to Russia during uh, when, when, when Gorbachev was there and Yeltsin came. I was in Russia at that time and it was new for me. And I just traveled the world, uh, learning languages, learning cultures. And I believe all of that has really given me a wonderful foundation uh, uh, to work at. And then at the same time, of course, I've been very, very blessed uh, uh, with my career, we've been able to work with many, many very influential, very inspiring leaders at different companies. So I didn't stay in one company throughout my career. I moved, uh, um, I, you know, I, I looked where I, I was a little bit in that sense, uh, impatient 
And so if I didn't think there was a promotion coming soon, then I moved to another company where it was coming uh, um, and uh, and made sure that I was positioned to be able to get there in those positions as well. And so that 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 also has all that advice has really helped me uh, drive that drive that food. But I, when I look back a little bit, I think really I've been very very lucky. I've had wonderful people working for me, working with me. Um, I've just been blessed. I've very very clever people working with me. I've been able to work with fantastic people. Well, I've learned from. And then, as I mentioned, uh, I think the basis of the education I had, that boarding school, that sports, that camaraderie, that standing up for yourself, uh, 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 learning to communicate, learning to this, and then this, this, this wonderful choice of embracing different cultures and, and, and languages. And, that, and, and I can tell you, Jonathan, in this industry, that's a huge benefit. I think in life it's a benefit, but in this industry especially, that's a benefit. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And... Um, in a moment, I'd love you to tell me of, uh, I think you mentioned another CEO in Accor who you find very inspiring. I'd like to know who, who that, that person was uh, and who knows who might get them on the podcast themselves if you think they're, they're um, very inspiring. But also to balance it out in our life, uh, we have some people who are, are not so inspiring. They are what I call expiring. They suck the life out of you like if you remember Harry Potter and his Dementors, that they your soul is taken out by these leaders. And they sometimes you get psychopaths who, who work with you and they get they like power and they like status. They become presidents of America or they uh, they become prime ministers in the UK. Um, and uh, they're not good for you. So you don't need to mention any of those. But have you ever had experiences where colleagues or people working for you, or people above you, were what I'd call quite toxic. Indeed, and before I go to that, before I go to that, who who are you referring to, and who I was referring to, uh, who's a fundamental different background, but super super inspiring is is um, is Mo Bailey, who is uh, uh, going to he's going to be the CEO for the entire Sofitel M Gallery. And, uh, and emblems and a completely different background. Uh, Mode has gone to the probably one of the most prestigious educations one can get in France, not from the hotel business, uh, but absolutely inspiring and somebody you should uh, speak to and very different to who I'm going to say, who we're going to talk about. Now, I have, uh, Jonathan, worked with people which are demotivating, which they suck your energy, um, which are insecure, um, and 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 anybody who has some sort of talent is pushed to the side because of that insecurity, um, you know, dictatorship. I, I I I've worked with a couple of those, and that's also that's also founded me in terms of that's not what I want to do. That's not how I'm going to behave. That's not what I'm going to lead as well. Um, and I think I think times change that as well. Maybe that attitude or that 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 dynamics was maybe more. Traditional in in the sense that listen, I started in the kitchens uh, after hotel school in Switzerland. I started in the kitchens, and I can tell you, in the kitchens in those days in Switzerland uh, and in Germany, it wasn't a, a piece of cake, and uh, it was rough and tough. And uh, uh, if you probably if you if you deal like that now with people, you probably get uh, taken into court or something. That was just par for the course there, you know. And we were just young and 
and gullible and scared and, and, and doing everything uh, that we had to do to grow. Um, and, and it's a good thing that's gone. That's, that's absolutely gone. So I have worked with those and they've, you know, I've, they've, they've influenced me logically. They have influenced me, but in, in the way that I never want to be like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I do think everybody you meet has something to teach you. If only you would listen. And, and from those people, you think I'm not ever going to be like that, but you have to be streetwise because otherwise those people will take you out, use you, and you'll actually get abused by them or misused by them, or they could even destroy your career. So, so well done for spotting those early. Let's talk about, um, and I'm pleased that you talked about the, the CEO of uh, Sofitel then, as a Mobeli. Um, what about if you were to pick one proudest, happiest moment and one darkest moment of your life or your work and what you learned from each of those, from the proudest moment and from a tough moment, what, what would you share? Look, the proudest moment, the proudest moment has been with my family, with my kids. And, 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 the, and I must say, uh, I've been extremely blessed to have, uh, to have Marina, my wife, who supported me. Uh, uh, she casually reminded me three months ago that we'd moved 17 times, uh, um, not in a positive way, uh, that reminder, but more in a, in a factual statement there. But that's also how this industry is. It's been extremely supporting. And, and of course, with my family, I've also achieved wonderful milestones. Again, I've been, uh, Jonathan, very lucky. Uh, I was the youngest CEO in the industry. Uh, I was the youngest F&B director. I was the youngest general manager in a five-star hotel. So I've been very, very lucky uh, in, 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 in my career. Um, and very, 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 very blessed that way. Um, I've always, I've always thought it's important. It's easy to say that, but it's always important to stay humble, not forget where you come from, not forget what's happening. And, and, and you know, you're just a custodian of the position you have. Things, especially nowadays, it can change in an instant. Yeah. And so I never, ever thought... I was bigger than that position uh, or I deserved that position. I'm just there. I'm blessed to be there for this time to do this, but I'm always very conscious. Things can change very, very uh, quickly, quickly there. Yeah. And, and I just wanted to pick up on that point. I think it's such a good one that you make. Uh, and this is back to the legacy bit that we're going to talk about at the very end as part of what makes high performing leaders and teams. And this is what my wife and I, with the Inspiring Leadership Compass and the questions we're going to be asking you, we found that, that those really inspiring leaders are focused on a, leaving a legacy, a stewardship, leaving things better than you found them, that you never own them. But, but like actually our children. I mean, you've got your children. I've got uh, my own two children and my two stepchildren that Lee brought to our marriage. And I don't own them. I mean, they're now 27 to 30. I just looked after them as they passed through our lives. And I hope that by being a good father and a stepfather, they'll want to come back and see us again. And we've now got grandchildren, which is a real joy. Um, but I, I do think this, um, uh, this is a really important point, learning from these, these proudest moments. And I'm also taught, caught by you, like me, have been very driven to, you know, uh, I was, you know, one of the youngest company commanders in the army and, you know, get promotion early. But actually, there can be a cost of our intensity. And I, and I know whatever I do, I'm going to be intense about it. My wife, Lee, is very long suffering and, and goes, are you being a bit intense? And I go, 
well, I might be a little bit, you know. So uh, I'll get something like this uh, this aura ring, which I'm wearing, which I, I'm not sponsored by them. I'll quickly add. Um, <laughs> and um, I'll be wearing it, measuring all my data of what comes on and then trying to improve it all. And so what's your experience? And by the way, I remembered the name of this, this, the Swiss finishing school. I wonder if you've heard of it or your listeners have. Le Roche up in... Yeah, you have La Roche, Lyon, uh, Lausanne, and and Caesar Ritz. These are the four big. Uh, yeah, but it was ama amazing. We, my wife and I went went there a, a few times to to speak and yeah. and to 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 run some courses as uh, as keynote speakers. And I loved the place, and it was really impressive to see the effort and the attention to detail and the skills they have to learn. Very impressive, but. Um, but back to you about sort of proudest moments and darkest moments. So that was a proud moment. What about a what about a dark moment? And what did you learn from things when it didn't kind of work out as you'd hoped? It might not be big. It might be pretty average. But there must be something you've learned when it didn't go as you planned because you've all these plans to do better. Yeah, I, I've had many, uh, Jonathan. I've had many. I wouldn't call them dark, but things where it didn't work out properly, and I, and I've learned and have taken the memories and the and the lessons on the learnings away. And that can be, you know, you, you this industry is about people, and you hire people, and you fully believe you have the right person in the right place, and and uh, and you can get it you can get it spectacularly wrong in terms of hiring people and putting them in senior positions and 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 it really doesn't go well um and you try to learn and what did i do wrong what could i have seen what you know it's 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 very challenging i've i've uh, i've opened hotels i've opened many hotels as a gm during my time where you know you have one one vision and one goal and then uh, because of timing because of cost because of all these other influences it doesn't go well um, you know, and you're laying in bed, uh, you know, you're laying in bed. People always think, well, uh, did he worry? So I was worried sick. I was laying in bed. I couldn't sleep. Uh, you know, the, the pressure and the immense of, of going on, making sure that you want to get something right. Um, you know, it's it's never been, it hasn't been all easy for me, I can tell you. And I've had, I've made tremendous mistakes as well. Good things I've learned from them, but I've made mistakes in recruiting, in positioning, in timings, uh, 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 many, many, uh, I can tell you, many, many mistakes. So, so let me ask you a question I asked some of the other CEOs, and you don't have to be specific, so it, you're, not, you're not exposing yourself, but when was the last time you personally were wrong? Just just tell me in time frame. When was the last time you personally were wrong? Last week. Okay, good, good answer. How quickly did you realise you were wrong? I, I I I actually realize these things much quicker now than 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 before. How how long? I mean, like uh, hours or days? Well, in this particular example, it's it's uh, it's a matter of two three days. Uh, okay. And it's about somebody as well. Uh, yeah. And I immediately call back and said, "Look, I got it totally wrong. Uh, uh, um, I, you were right. I was completely wrong, and uh, I should have listened. And uh, you know, I have to learn from this." Uh, um, Lovely, lovely. That was my third question: was how how quickly did you resolve it, and did you apologise to the people who got it wrong? So that that is for me very healthy. But I've come across a number of very senior leaders, and sometimes I hate to say it in the military where I was, when I asked them when was the last time you were dead wrong, and they went, mm, "Let me think about this. Could have been 1981, <laughs> but I, I it wasn't really my fault. It was their fault. You know that they don't see that they can be human." 
and they have fault that they they think they are perfect and nobody can coach them no one can give them advice they're not listening do you know who i am i've got here i'm the boss do it my way or the highway I, I, have you ever come across a boss like that you don't need to mention yes. anybody well, but I have indeed i have indeed many of them um i i do things a little bit differently here with my team you know, we we celebrate successes and we have many. Uh, but I can tell you as well, Jonathan, we celebrate failures. We are transparent with the failures and we celebrate them. And, and so it's encouraging when a team says, listen, we tried this or somebody in my team said, I tried this. It didn't work. Uh, and he's very open about it. And we celebrate that. Uh, and we encourage that because if you don't make mistakes, you're not moving. And so I encourage uh, I encourage that. But I have worked with people um where where it's it's frowned upon and, and and people are nervous and then hiding things um i it's not for me that uh, i i think we have to be all be transparent we celebrate success as much as we celebrate failures and uh, mm. and you'll see uh, you know when people work with my teams they they notice that and feel that nobody's scared to take a risk to do something because they have that they have that belief that there's a support behind them um, and we can drive it forward. Yeah, there's that lovely story. When I was in IBM, John Watson was the legendary CEO many years before. And uh, he'd just taken over as CEO. And on day two, one of his vice presidents came to see him. And he said, look, I, I've got this problem and, and I don't quite know what to do about it. Uh, and he said, did you tell the previous CEO? And he said, uh, no, it wasn't safe to do that. I said, what do you mean? He said, failure was not an option. It was always good news. So I couldn't tell him. He said, how long have you been struggling with this problem? He said, six months. Yeah. He said, uh, what does it cost us? He said, $650,000. Now, that was a lot in those days. It's a lot more today. And he said, um, so I suppose you're going to fire me. And John Watson said, fire you? Why would I fire you? I've just invested $650,000 in your development. I want you to go away and think about it with your team and come back tomorrow with the solution. Oh, wonderful. So, so the guy went away. He came back with a solution. John said, crack on, do it. He made $5 million from the improvements that they'd found to it. And he became the CEO 10 years later. Yeah, it's wonderful. It's a teachable moment. We talked about this being a teachable moment. What have you learned what are you going to do differently? Learning action, learning action all the time. And, right. and General Colin Powell, his book, it worked for me in leadership and life. He lived next door to my um, my parents-in-law and they got to know each other. They lived in each other's houses and he was a great leader. But he, in his book, talked about after action reviews, which is what we in the military use, that every time you have an event went well or went badly, you do an after action review. What have we learned? What are we going to do differently? Um, talking about learning, if you went back to see the young Duncan O'Rourke, age 16, at boarding school in Bath, and you met in a time machine, what advice would you give yourself and to other 16 to 18-year-olds at this stage? This matters. Don't worry about that. From your experience. Look, I was very focused. Uh, you know, boarding school where I was, uh, it was competitive. Uh, um, and and in in sports in everything you know you you were always very very competitive and you always wanted to be and I think that's that served me well it's it's been it's been it hasn't worked with every single 
uh, student who went to that school, but it, 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 it helped me and served me well. I think, I think uh, if I look back at 16, 10, I was very focused on going one way. And I would probably, because actually I did not, I went into the, I was focused on one, one, I actually wanted to become a lawyer and really focus on one drive and just following a family uh, driven, uh, driven goal and strategy. And I think to be broader, to be more open, to be more acceptable, and maybe not to, not to take at that stage things that seriously uh, uh, in terms of, in terms of competitive. I think I would I would do that. It's taken me a while, but uh, you know I've adjusted from that. But then again, when I look back on it, it, it has served me well. Uh, it has served me well, and so I have to embrace that side of it as well. But I think just in general, be be uh, you know be 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 more open. Don't take it that seriously. Uh, not to say that I didn't take uh, things uh, super serious. I mean, I, I can, you know, just spend hours talking. I mean, it's trouble I got at school and at home and all that. So it wasn't that I was taking everything seriously. But uh, no, no, I think I think just to be, just to embrace and, and be more broader in one's in one's view uh, would be more important. Okay, that's lovely. You're going to have to give us one thing you got in trouble with at home or school. Come on, there must be some story. Well, you know, you can imagine the boarding school. The list is so long and distinguished from, you know, from waking up uh, waking up on Fridays uh, whenever we pretended we were asleep, wake up and, and go and drink when we were 15 and 16 and they get caught. I mean, I must say they, they, we had the Christian brothers at, at the school there, yeah. and, and I can tell you they were on top of everything. They 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 knew everything and caught everything very very quickly there. But it was many of those things, you know, sleeping out, uh, uh, drinking, uh, uh, those sort of things that uh, yeah. one was got in trouble with at these boarding schools. You know? Well, you've done very well to survive. You know, when I was at boarding school, they everybody was smoking from fourteen to sixteen, uh, and then it's when once you became. Uh, in upper six and lower six, you were allowed to smoke because that was the law in England at that age then. And so in my class in lower five, we had 85, 90% of people were smoking. And the minute you were allowed, you went down to like 3% because everybody... <laughs> it is interesting, isn't it? What we can't have, we desperately want. And what we're allowed to have, we, get, we take for granted. Um, let, let, let's go around the Inspiring Leadership Campus, sort of quick fire questions. Um, moral quotient, MQ, there's a true north at the top of the compass. Um, what makes you authentic? What, 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 if there's top three values you live by, uh, briefly, what are they? And what do you do when you let them slip to get back on track and, and, and onto true north? Look, first of all, I really believe in the true north because it gives you a sense of purpose. If you don't have that, you drift. And so you're absolutely right. You've got to always come back. My, my fundamental values are Honesty, integrity, and straightforwardness. I, I, I believe in that, and I think one always should be uh, very honest, have all the integrity that you can have, and be very straightforward. If things are going well, say they're going well. If they're not going well, be very transparent, and people know where they stand there. That's easier said than done, Jonathan, uh, as you can imagine, because you have different times and different periods where you may not want to be, but you always, when you reflect back uh, on, onto these values you have, you always have to go back and be very straightforward, very honest, and have a lot of integrity. Because, you know, what do I do? I deal with owners of hotels. I deal with guests of the hotels. I deal with the shareholders of the company and the employees and my team. And so it's, it's, it's a relationship business. You spend a lot of time in these managing these different relationships and 
And I think uh, if you if you get those three consistently all the time right, uh, it's important. And one does one does slip, one does slip, uh, uh, and it's just human nature. But you have to go back because, like I said, otherwise you drift and you don't really have that sense of purpose then. Yeah, it's so very true. I remember uh, when doing a Cyprus double mountain marathon. Uh, I, I thought I'd take an easy option by following another team, Royal Marines. They were super fit. And I thought they know where they're going. I'll, I'll put my map in my pocket and not worry about navigating. I'll just follow them. But they got terribly lost. And we, we ended up in a gully and we couldn't get out. We had to back out. And, and on the back of his, ba- of his jacket, he had a little badge and it said, don't follow me. I'm lost, too. Don't follow me. I'm lost, too. And I thought, I'll never forget that. I've now got to do my thing, go by my bearings. And it was my father who was a naval officer. And uh, my brother was telling me that uh, father said during the Second World War, too many ships got uh, hit by mines. They were just following the other ships. And the first ship hit a mine and the other one was blindly following and not making their own decisions about the right route. And so I think it's important we have our, our moral integrity, our true north and our values. And it's different for everybody. Um, purpose is the next one. PQ, what gives your life meaning and purpose, Duncan? And um, what's your calling, your vocation? Look, I think, first of all, just a bit about this in my purpose, I wouldn't, if, when you asked me that six, I was just thinking when we, when we were talking again, I wouldn't change anything in terms of entering this industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, even, even if I, if someone said, well, you can do this, 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 I wouldn't change anything. Um, I'm very blessed because I love this industry. It's been very good to me. Uh, I've been able to influence and touch uh, many people in this industry. I've never forgotten as you as you move up, you pull up. And so uh, uh, one thing I'm extremely proud of is how many people have worked with me and are now in very, very senior positions around the road and, and within our core as well now. Uh, that's been very, very important for me and and uh, I keep using that word lucky I'm lucky with the people around me who who, who work with me and I've just been very lucky uh, in this in this industry um, and that, that that gives me purpose I don't I love this thing I love going to work I wake up happy every day uh, um, you know it's I don't have a day where I'm oh I don't know why am I in this it just doesn't it's never I, I, I'm very very fortunate I have many many friends who were in the hotel industry, who were poached very quickly into other industries, and they're not as happy as, as, as they could have been. I mean, it's not an easy industry, you know. It's uh, In the beginning, it's long, long hours, uh, holidays, hours, low pay. If you drive through that and get through that, it's a very rewarding industry. So that's the purpose. Uh, um, that's the purpose. I've, I, um, I'm blessing for the people around me. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's lovely to hear that. And you are right. I mean, I love the work I do, coaching CEOs and executive teams around the world and uh, having interesting people on the podcast. It's a, it's a real um, gift and it's my way. I don't make any money from it, but it's my way of giving back, sending the elevator back down so that others listening around the world can learn from leaders like you on what worked for you. Now, it might not work for everybody, but it worked for you and they can pick out the best bits that might apply for them while still keeping themselves authentic to who they are rather than trying to be a poor a poor image of somebody else. But the, there's often good tips that people pick up. So I'm really pleased you found that because you're right. Many people, and it's not the inspiring leaders I meet, but the 
the ones who are mulling along, not sure what they're doing, lost their sense of direction, they're not happy in what they do. And there's that old saying that success is getting what you want, but happiness is wanting what you already have. And happiness is being at choice, that you, you have choice and you decide what you're going to do. Well, I'm really pleased on that. Health is the next thing. Clearly, in, in the Accor group, you health is a big part of what you want your customers to experience, but also for your hotel staff and the managers. You don't want them working in a psychologically unsafe environment where their mental health is affected. They're being shouted at and bullied at like you used to be in the hotel uh, kitchens when you were working there. Uh, and I, in the army, had people shouting and screaming at me, sergeant majors. They have to be nice to people now. Um, uh, please, madam, would you would you mind attacking towards the enemy? You know, if it's all right with you, and I, I know it's not a good day for you, but if you would, if you feel like, now I'm teasing slightly, but it's not not too far of it. Um, what have you done to look after personally? Look after you know you're a busy, busy man. Your personal health and your mental health. What tips uh, would you give to other leaders listening around the world? Look, what, what Jonathan, what I do, it's, uh, it's not enough. So I try, to, I try to look after what you eat and what you drink. But I can tell you in this industry, that's just an absolute nightmare. Because you, you travel in, you meet in owners, you meet in uh, investors, you meet in government officials. These are all at lovely hotels and the chefs are there and the sommeliers are there and they all want to show what they can do and so it's you know on the plane it's very easy well i'm not i'm just gonna have a soup you know and then when you land uh you you know it's an eight course meal and you love it and you're having a wonderful time but i think it's important what i do what i do is i go for two weeks every single year i go away for two weeks to uh to uh, a retreat a retreat uh, in in germany um, where, where it's for your mind, your soul, your body. It's, it's, and, and what happens there is you meditate, you reflect, uh, and you detox all of that. You detox your mind, your soul, your body. And when I say detox, you don't. I, there's, there's, a, there's a course on there where you fast for 10 days. You only have uh, waters and soups, uh, uh, consomme soups and, uh, and teas, um, you go to yoga, you meet with uh, yoga specialists, you go on walks, you switch off your phones. I go there alone. I don't go there with a family or anywhere. Uh, I go there totally alone for two weeks. It's, it's actually on Lake Constance overlooking the Tegansee in, uh, in, in Germany. Stunning. Um, and really, really, when I come out of there, I'm full of energy again. And I highly recommend that everybody, in my opinion, needs to step away for two weeks and, and do something like that. Well, you made me smile. I'm really pleased you do that because I'd love to find a place like that and you've recommended it. So after this, we'll have a, a chat and I'll find out about that. But it's interesting, while you were on one side of Lake Constance, uh, many years ago, I was on the other side doing the long range recce patrol course with NATO troops being trained by the SAS in survival and escape and evasion. And we were living a pretty rough time, I can tell you. But uh, but uh, yeah, it wasn't quite as good as you. But I think our, our food was about as skimpy as yours was. And we were on the run being hunted by a hunter force. So that made me smile about Leif Consens. And that's so good for both mental health and physical health. Um, anything more you'd add about mental health? Because particularly in your industry, um, many industries, are, uh, your, your staff are 
suffering from uh, mental health issues, particularly having been through the pandemic, that's had a huge impact on people. You know, uh, are they going to lose their jobs? Will the industry come back? What's what's your tip about getting people's mental health back together? It's so, so important. Um, we call, we call uh, in our core, we don't call them employees, we call them heartists. So they are from their heart and they and the artists of what they're doing. Um, and and one of the one of the important things is when you work somewhere, you have to really be in tune with the values of the company. Or they have to your your values have to be very much aligned with the company. Otherwise, it doesn't work. Um, our core started uh, the Hartis Foundation, where uh, our our president Sebastian Bazan convinced the the board not to take a dividend and put uh, over fifty million euros into a fund where we helped. Uh, employees, artists uh, throughout the world, be it pandemic, be it an earthquake, be it now in Ukraine with with uh, with refugees coming across and employees coming across. So we 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 do a, a tremendous amount of helping them adapt, and that as well as you can imagine, uh, and a prime example would be the Ukrainian employees that we have coming across into Poland, that mentally and 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 helping them as well as as well as the Polish. Uh, uh, families there, but it's not only about Ukraine. Politics. This happens in any country with earthquakes, with 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 um, natural disasters, economic disasters. We take it very very seriously and provide that. One. And it's, it is so so important. And as well as uh, Jonathan, during the pandemic, you know, people sitting at home for four, five, six months um, that takes a toll on them, uh, um, and they're not used to it. And there's there's different dynamics that play at the house. So we've taken that very, very seriously. And, 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 and I, like I said, uh, this foundation with the shareholders and the funds that we do to do that, it's very important for me to work in a company where those values are very much aligned. And I'm very proud to be with, with Accor in that essence. I really love what Accor have done there. And, and I will remember that always, not just called an employee, but called a heartist. Not an artist, but it's a heart. And I do think that takes us nicely on to EQ, which is the next component of what makes inspiring leaders and teams, which is about your emotional and social intelligence. And particularly as artists, you, you have to really connect with colleagues and with your guests so that they feel and they know that you genuinely care about them rather than going through the motion. What would be your top tip that you've learned over all these years from being at boarding school to being in the kitchens and, and being shouted at and running around like a mad thing to various jobs. What's been your top tip about developing good rapport with people? What do you do? Look, I think it's so important, this emotional intelligence, because it's it's all about communicating and getting people around you to perform tasks at a, at a higher level uh, you know you, you mentioned Conrad and all the other can we all have our problems and we all have the same bit but how can we make ours better and that's only the only way to win is via the people um, so I think listening learning to listen I, it took me a while you know coming from a boarding school and being quite influential at the boarding school I didn't really listen that much another thing from coming back from 16 what I would do differently is, is listen a lot more. I think listening is very important. Embracing the situation, understanding the situation is important. And, and connecting on a, on a very non-arrogant hierarchical way. Uh, way. Everybody calls me Duncan in, in my office, in the, in the hotels, in the teams. Um, I'm available. 
Um, I make myself available. I once learned very quickly uh, um, working, working, uh, working when, when uh, I was asked, well, how much is your payroll? I said, the payroll's around 60%. Well, how much time do you spend with the payroll? And I said, well, about 10, 15%. He said, well, that's 50% to less. If it's 60, spend 60%. That's your biggest expense. Spend most of the time. And so I learned that then very quickly. Um, and, it's, and it's so important to, to listen, to grow, and to give an opportunity for people. Uh, it, it, it really, you need to adapt and you, and you have to be aware because things change. You know, it's not only about... It's not only about social intelligence now, but you know they have new generations. You have millennials, you have the Y, the Z. They they have to be communicated, embraced in a different way. And so you have to always, at the same time, surround yourself with fresh young uh, ideas as well. And 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 so that's that's very important in in that essence for me. Yeah, and, and I, other CEOs that I work with, if they haven't, I always encourage them to have reverse mentoring. So they pick some younger members that they're a mentor to but they get reverse mentoring and the young person in their 20s comes and sits on their board there's certain agreements about confidentiality but afterwards the ceo gets feedback from that young person on how they came across how they lived the values and what ideas they had about how they could do things differently and they they point out i noticed when you said this michael that one of your vice presidents completely shut down you you'd insulted them and they never said anything else throughout that meeting did you notice that no i didn't notice that and so young people can can, you know, from we always remember as children from the mouths of babes. I mean, I remember my young daughters teaching me about emotional intelligence. That is fantastic, which takes me nicely on to something which is closely linked to this from EQ to what I call CQ, cultural intelligence quotient, cognitive and collaborative, you know, teams and also the diversity that you've talked about by your world travel, different languages that you speak. But what's your top tip? on making people feel included rather than excluded from different nations and different backgrounds and different orientations? What's, what's your top tip? I think, I think when you, when you create the team, um, when you create your team, be, be diverse in who you have in terms of abilities, in terms of uh, cultures, in terms of diversification, um, don't cookie cut and have 15 people or 10 people exactly the same. You don't, I don't do that. Uh, I have, you, you, I have mavericks in the team. I have in, highly intellectual people, uh, academic people, operations people, um, have a nice mix of, of male and female in the teams and be diverse in terms, not only of male and female, but in terms of cultures, in terms of languages and in terms of nationalities. Um, it's more it's more challenging when you start because you form that team and there's obviously then friction and all that. But I can tell you, once you gel that and once that team comes uh, together, it really becomes a high performing uh, uh, a strength that you have there, and that's so so important. So my advice would be to embrace. Don't don't always look. Spend a lot of time when you make the teams, when you when you when you when you create and when you have people around you. Spend a lot of time and spend a lot of time making sure that you have different skill sets, characters, uh, and embracements in the team. There, um, it's it's so rewarding. Yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely true. Love it, love it, and and completely concur with that one. Um, from from that to resilience, RQ. Uh, resilience in adverse situations, 
clearly, as you've discussed already, many things never quite worked out as you thought they would do. And um, what have you learned about picking yourself up when things haven't worked out uh, that you'd give as a tip to other people? This is what works for you and others might find it helpful. Yeah, I, I started I started young and, and I'm, I don't know if it's the boarding school, my character, but I started young with, uh, you know, I didn't like to lose. You know, we were all in team sports and, you know, it was frowned upon uh, in the first 15. If you walked in and you lost, uh, you were not looked at kindly at the school already for the next four days. And so winning was everything. Uh, um, and, and, you know, I, I, I moved that through. And, and obviously, as you as you went through the career and as I've gone through the career, it hasn't always, you didn't, you don't always win, you know, you, you, you lose, you lose in, in terms of recruiting, you, you both go after somebody or a, a top team member moves to another team and, uh, or another, another entity or another organization that can be disheartening in the beginning because you've done so much to bring and why they're leaving me and you take it personally and there's no need to do that. Uh, uh, you just actually embrace it and, uh, and, and encourage them. Um, you know, and, and also in setbacks in terms of goals, you know, I've set many, I set difficult, challenging goals for me and my team, and I haven't always reached them. And when I was younger, it annoyed me and upset me. And, uh, and, and you know, I'm, I'm more realistic now. I still set very high goals. I still set very challenging targets and stretch everybody. And if I don't make them for whatever reason, uh, you know, I, 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 I take ownership of that. I dress why I haven't reached them and we keep going forward. So um, the resilience is, is very, very important to pick yourself up. Don't take it personally. Don't take things too personally. Just, uh, just keep just keep going away. I don't take it personally anymore, and I don't hold anybody personal in the team. Uh, we we discuss that. There are of course uh, reasons why, and people need to take ownership. I mean that's mm -hmm. important in the team. They need to take ownership. But I don't take things uh, personally anymore. And, and you know, with this world now, Jonathan, everything is so unexpected. You know, I can tell you. The, the amount of time I spent in, in when I was previously in Northern Europe preparing budgets and spending hours and months in details only for COVID to come and blow everything for the next one and a half years out the window, every strategy gone out the window, everything gone out the window. It can be disheartening. Mm. Uh, um, hotels that are opening, hotels that you lose, uh, teams, uh, you just got to, you don't take it personally. You just have to really be able to pick yourself off the ground uh, and get up because your team feels that people around you feel that you get up very quickly and you move on very quickly. And that's very, very important. Yeah, I, I love that. And it comes across with real passion. And, and that, that whole experience of COVID really taught us all to be incredibly resilient or crumble. And um, takes me on nicely to brand BQ, uh, the penultimate one. You're in the brand of brands. You know, Echo has got all these great brands. But what about your brand? Uh, my question is, you know, do you have your own coach and have they got 360 feedback for you? And do you learn from what they've learned about you? Look, I think it's very important. Uh, uh, I, 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 I don't only have one coach. I, don't, I've, I have two or three different coaches. And I think it's always good once in a while to change a coach, not always keep the same. Um, I think feedback is imperative. I think honest, transparent feedback is very important to discuss how did you do something? What is the challenge? What, how did you react? Why? I, I do that a lot. Uh, you mentioned having 
Um, the younger generation on team, I have that. We have a COMEX, uh, an executive committee where they sit on and uh, uh, it's not always pleasant their feedback, uh, but it's important uh, in, in that essence there. But I think, I think honest feedback uh, and, and trying to always improve, trying to always make things better and, and, and leave things better. Uh, I can honestly say everywhere I've gone, I can honestly say that I have left the place and the people, the teams there in a better situation than when they were. It hasn't always happened immediately. Sometimes it goes very quickly and sometimes, you know, you think it's going and then it drops and you have to come back and uh, pick up. But uh, in generally, I, I, I could say that that, that, is, my, that is my brand. I, 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 I'm very connected, but I do. I think it's very important to be coached, uh, especially when you, and, and let's not kid ourselves, at, at my level, it's, you know, you need, you know, it's not everybody's going to tell you what's what you're doing wrong, and uh, and and you you get a lot a lot of positive feedback. And that's kinesthetic. That's yeah, it's normal. Um, and if you if you're not careful, that can go to your head. Uh, um, and I don't allow that. I have coaches, and I do change. You know, I have one, but I change other ones because they look at you completely differently, and they're not used to. Uh, what you said before, and they give you a different input, and I think that's very, very important. And of course, the the, the biggest uh, sound check you have is is when you come home, you know, because you yep. you used to you used to no decision being questioned and everything going very quickly, and you come home and then you get a real quick reality check uh, from Marina. I don't work for you, and it's not happening like this. So it goes really, really quick, uh, and that's important as well. At, and on a personal level, that's important as well. But I do think my advice would be for people in leadership always, and if you can, not in your industry, get get some mentorship or some coaching or for some leadership from people outside your industry who can be transparent with you, uh, honest with you, and what you know, and and also encourage them to meet your teams and see the different challenges and aspects in that as well. So. Um, I'm a very firm believer in that. Yeah, I'm so pleased to hear that. The best, just like in, in tennis, 100% of all um, the top tennis players have coaches. You know, yeah. no, no one, why would you not? And, right. and I think it, people have got over the thing that, you know, what's wrong with you if you've got a coach? Is there a problem? No, they go, you know, best performers have someone always there who's going to tell them the truth and challenge them. And you've answered the, uh, the question about legacy, which is leaving things better than you found them. So I'll go on to executive teams or top teams that you've led, what have you done, if you'd give one tip, what have you done to turn around a average or even a toxic team with maybe because of one individual into a high performing team? What did you do? Um, you know, there's no standard solution. I don't think they, there's ever been a cookie cut for me, but uh, you know, I'm very proud to have a reputation for making unusual moves uh, in those teams I create. Uh, you know, I have the ability to free myself completely from, from expectations or prejudice from other people there. I look at the people for their capabilities. Um, I think strong teams are very important. I surround myself. 80% of the people in my team, Jonathan, are better than I am. I can tell you that now. Uh, they make me look good. They make, you know, I'm very blessed like that. They are highly, highly qualified. They're very, very good people. Um, but teams are never going to be perfect from day one. Uh, and you have to grow with them, uh, uh, guide them, and and lead them there. And and you know when you have toxic, when you have toxic, and you will find that um, you need to make difficult decisions. 
uh, because if you you have to take everybody on a vision and show them but if it's it continues to stay toxic you need to make unpleasant decisions uh in in in, in rectifying that otherwise mm. it, it affects our whole team and so as uh, it's not always uh, it's not always uh, pleasant but you you need to make challenging decisions sometimes as well and 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 that i i can do i have made i take no pleasure in that it's probably the worst thing you can do in our industry is to let unfortunate people go um but sometimes um for the for the for where you want to go and what you want to do um it has to be done it and i have always said i've always said you make the decision here and you implement here uh and that's what i've done throughout my career yeah i i do love that it reminds me of another ceo who said uh when i was in a situation as a managing director and he was one of my clients but he was he was almost like reverse mentoring me and he said what is it you know about this person now you know it already but you're going to find it out in six months time because you're delaying making a decision about them i said i you know i know already they're not going to make it so he said why are you delaying the difficult decision because it's not going to get easier it's going to get more difficult so be firm in the decision be kind in the execution of it and and as you say head and heart and gut and, and wallet and, <laughs> head heart gut wallet and, and you need to use all of them right you 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 have to use all of them i remember working for uh in kapinski was retter vitfo was the president and and he was asked once uh, retter you've you've let go of a lot of people do you have any regrets and he said absolutely it was always too late yes <laughs> oh, oh, oh that's such a good saying it, it is often it's always too late it's and always... and we we just think things will get better if we just avoid the decision but often it never and does I'm also embracing the fact that maybe it's not working with me and people who we've had these unpleasant conversations they've gone on to different structures organizations and blossomed so it's it's also good as well for both sides it's, it's not uh, it's not that you think well if it doesn't work with me it's no good at all or they no good no no maybe maybe also what i'm going and what i'm trying is not for them um, but you need to have those decisions you're absolutely right uh, uh, yeah. in what you said and what i said with the the yeah. gut is also important yeah well reminded uh, when i was in the jungles in borneo with uh, a mad captain in the sas who was training a group of about uh, 15 of us who were at the military academy we'd been he was our instructor and we had a very good uh, non commissioned officer with great wisdom <clears throat> and um, a situation arose and i'd been mulling it over for a long time and he said hey listen to this sir he said it's like you've got a cut and you don't tell me about it but we're here in the jungle with all the disease and infections and if you keep quiet about it uh, in two days time the only thing i can do is sore off the limb because it's gone gangrenous yeah. but if you tell me earlier i can apply various medicines to it things so we can heal it but but and i can put a plaster and it's very easy early but you leave it too late the only thing is i'm going to sore off the soggy end and i mean it's a bit blunt but it's this bit point like this that, that right. people don't need you to tell them exactly what to do but if they've got a big problem like the the the, the um the john watson example don't sit on it for 6 months start to say this is my problem and this is what i'm going to do about it correct correct um, final two questions with favorite book and then i'll ask you to introduce yourself for the 2 uh, minute top leadership tip what's a favorite book for you on leadership that you've read recently and why would you recommend it to everybody listening 
<clears throat> look, it's going to sound a little bit because it's from the hotel business, but uh, Horst Schultz, who was the former Ritz-Carlton president, uh, an absolutely icon in, in our industry, he, he wrote a book, a good book, a book out called Excellent Wins. Um, I highly recommend people read that. It's a really passionate proponent of some of the employees' ideas where, you know, where including the employees to take control over design of their own work, that frontline people, associates, artists, uh, often know better than we do uh, um, with their managers what has to be done and, and, and really empowering uh, these employees can really make, uh, make this customer service specifically in the hospitality, but I believe in all industries at a very high level. And he was at that time uh, at the forefront of that where, you know, Ritz-Carlton, uh, a guest would stay at the hotel and, and, and be there five nights and have a 3,000 euro bill. And, you know, the doorman, as he was leaving to go out for the day, he would say, I was complain. And the doorman had the authority to compliment or to take off two nights of his bill, a doorman. Uh, didn't you have to go to the GM? Just listen, done. Um, and so that book explains that. Uh, I knew about those stories, but I've, the, the book goes into tremendous detail of how and why uh, the repercussions of that and what it does. So uh, a very, very interesting read. And like I said, not only for not only for the hotel business or the hospitality business, but all in general. And 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 John, you know that, and I know that. A lot of the times, the people in the front line, the employees, and that they have the much quicker, better answer than than we would ever have. And so, yeah. to give that to give that place where they empower to make those decisions and 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 drive that forward is is imperative. So so true. I, I love I love that. And an excellent wins. I'm gonna I'm gonna look that one up. I hope they do an audio version because I'm dyslexic. So for me, listening to audio books, I listen to hundreds of different books, and that's going to be one of them. Okay. Um, would you finally introduce yourself, the role, who you are, your role, and your two-minute top leadership tip? And that's what we'll end with. Well, with pleasure. Um, good afternoon, Duncan O'Rourke. I'm the CEO for Accor, um, and I, I run the region of um, Middle East, Africa, India, and then the Asia Pacific, so a vast vary. Accor is uh, 40 brands, 40 hospitality brands. Uh, worldwide, um, and uh, I've been with the company around six years. My my biggest tips, and I've been in this industry for many years. My biggest tips would be, um, and advice would be um, specifically as you're growing up, when you when you are being promoted, when you step up, pull people up with you. Uh, that's one of the biggest tips I've had. Uh, don't don't uh, don't have a mind frame of just growing yourself. Bring people up with you. Uh, it's very very important, and I've done that throughout my career. the the other The other things uh, which are very important for me are be very true to yourself. Be don't do things that are against your character. Don't do anything uh, that that uh, that is completely opposite to what you believe in. So your values are very important, and make sure you work and surround yourself uh, in in a, in an organization where those values are respected. Fantastic. Uh, great advice. And Duncan O'Rourke, thank you very much indeed. You've brought some great wisdom to everybody around the world. And I wish you every success in um, satisfying the owners, the stakeholders and uh, your customers, as well as your heartists. So thank you very much for being on the Inspiring Leadership podcast. Jonathan, thank you very, very much. And again, uh, it's been an absolute honour. Thank you.
So now you've heard from one of the inspiring leaders that I've interviewed, what are you going to do next? If you want to get some more free material, go to my website, jonathanperks.com, or follow me on LinkedIn, Jonathan Bowman Perks. And there you can get access to my books, uh, Inspiring Leadership and Top Tips for Inspiring Leaders. But if you want to actually do something about being a leader and constantly improving your game, raising your performance, get in touch with me about coaching you or one of your team that you want to raise the game for them. It's got to be people who want to be good to great, not people who you're trying to fire. And if you're looking for a motivational speaker, get in touch. Or if you want me to work with your team coach, I would be delighted to help you.